Welcome to FX Holic Show, Episode 3, The Penny and the Million. The following parable can be found inside the book The Slight Edge, written by Jeff Olson and John David Mann. A wealthy man, nearing the end of his days, summoned his twin sons to his bedside and told them that before he died he wanted to pass on them the opportunity to experience the richness of life that he had enjoyed for his many years on earth. If I could do so, I would give you both the world, he told his boys, but of course I can't. Instead, I'm leaving you both with a gift. The boys both wept to hear their father speak of his approaching death, but he bade them hush with a wave of his hand. I'm giving you each a purse to finance your adventures. What goes into each purse is your choice. The man lifted a pair of beautiful lacquer boxes from the bedside table onto his lap then reached inside one and held out his hands to his sons. One hand grasped a sheaf of one thousand crisp new one thousand dollars bills, one million dollars cash. In the palm of his other hand sat a shiny new copper penny. I offer the same choice to you both, this million dollars or this single penny. Whichever you choose, you must leave it in your purse under my butler's care for one full month to give you time to think about how you will use it. Whatever you do, whatever you do not take will be returned to my estate which I leave to charity. One more thing, he added. If you choose the million, you may, if you wish, draw against it as credit with my bank in town. If you choose the penny, you can also draw against it, but every day you choose to leave the penny's line of credit untouched, my butler has instructions to double the contents of your purse for as long as it is under his care. Now, go rest and think. Here, take this book with you to pass the evening hours. Tomorrow morning, come back and tell me your choice. He gave them each a copy of a little book of stories, kissed them both and sent them on their way. Late that night, the first boy lay in bed musing over the day's events. Which should I take? he wondered. And why is our father giving us this choice? Unable to sleep, he turned, on his light, uh, he turned on his light and looked around for the book his father had given them both. He figured a little reading would help pass the time and, who knew, maybe he'd get asleep. He found the book and for the first time noticed the title embossed on the cover in simple gold lettering, The Choice. Hmm, he muttered. The choice sounds mysterious. Choice between what and what? 
flipping through the book's pages, he saw the, that each of its many chapters was no more than a single page long, and at least at first glance their titles didn't appear to have anything to do with each other. It seemed like a random assortment of fables or children's stories. He was about to toss the book aside, but some nudge from within whispered, Go ahead, read a little. He turned back to the first story, which was called The Water Hyakinth, and began to read. The Water Hyakinth Once there was a little water hyakinth that grew near the edge of a big pond. It had dreams of seeing the other side of the pond, but when it murmured to itself about these dreams, the water just laughed and lapped at it dismissively. The other side, indeed, for a tiny plant that couldn't even move? Impossible. The water hyacinth can typically be found floating on the surface of ponds in warm climates around the world and it is a beautiful plant with delicate six-petaled flowers that range from purplish blue to lavender to pink. This particular plant was a perfect specimen, very beautiful, very small, and very, very delicate. However, and this was something the water didn't know, the water hyacinth is also one of the most productive plants on earth. With a, with a reproductive rate that astonishes botanists and ecologists. A single plant can produce as many as 5,000 seeds, but its preferred method for colonizing a new area is not to cast its seeds to the vagaries of wind and water, but instead to grow by doubling itself, sending out short runner stems that become daughter plants. The first day this little water hyacinth appeared, nobody but the water even noticed it was there. Nobody noticed it on the second day either, as it doubled, nor on the third or the fourth, as it doubled again and then once more. It was so insignificant, in fact, that for the first two weeks, even though it doubled in size every day, you would have had to search hard to see it at all. By day 15, it had reproduced to cover barely one square foot of water, a tiny dollop of lavender pink dotting the pond's glassy green surface. On day 20, two-thirds of the way through the month, one person passing by the pond noticed the little patch of foliage floating off to the side but mistook it for a lost bath towel or perhaps a discarded piece of wrapping paper. More than a week later, on day 29, half the pond's surface was still open water. And on day 30, just 24 hours later, the water's surface had totally disappeared. The entire pond had been overtaken by a rich blanket of purple-pink water hyacinth. The boy imagined the pond 
covered with a lush, gorgeous plant. Not sure what has to do with the choice, he said out, out loud. He stressed and yawned. That's enough reading for one night. He turned off the light and settled against the pillow. A minute later he was sitting up again, switching on the light. Something prodded him to keep going and taking more of this book. Turning the page, he came to the next story, this one entitled In the Pale. Once again, he began to read. In the Pale Two frogs left the safety of their swamp one day and ventured into a nearby farm to explore. Soon they found themselves in a dairy where they found a large milk pail. Hopping into the pail, they found it was half filled with fresh cream. The two little frogs were absolutely thrilled. They had never tasted anything so delicious. Soon their bellies were full. Feeling sleepy, they decided it was time to leave. And that's when they realized they were in trouble. They'd had no trouble hoping in, but how were they going to get out? The inside of the pail was too slippery to climb, and because they couldn't reach the bottom and there was nothing for them to step on for, for traction, hoping to safety was out of the question, too. They were trapped. Frantic, they began thrashing about, their feet scrambling for a foothold on the elusive slippery curve of the pale sides. Finally, one frog cried out, It's no use, we are doomed. No, the other frog gasped, we can't give up. When we were tadpoles, could we have dreamed that someday we would emerge from the water and hop about on land? Swim on, brother, and pray for a miracle. But the first frog only eyed his brother sadly. There are no miracles in the life of a frog, he croaked. Farewell, and he sank slowly out of sight. The second frog refused to give up. He continued paddling in the same tiny circle over and over, hoping against hope for a miracle. An hour later he was still paddling in his fertile little circle. He no longer even knew why. His brother's dying words clutched at his thoughts as fatigue tugged at his tiny muscles. Was my brother right? He thought desperately. Are there no miracles in the life of a frog? Finally he could swim no more. With a whimper of anguish, he stopped paddling and let go ready to face his fate. By, but by this time the boy was no longer reading. Unable to keep his eyes open any longer, he had fallen fast asleep as the frog paddled in his desperate circle, refusing to give up. Somewhere in the back of his mind, though, the boy had already guessed how the tale of the two frogs would turn out and his guess was pretty much the way the story's last paragraph did in fact read. Yet to his surprise, unlike his brother, 
the second frog did not sink. In fact, he stayed right where he was, as if suspended in mid-air. He stretched out a foot tentatively and felt in touch with something solid. He heaved a big sigh, said a silent farewell to his poor departed brother Frog, then scrambled up onto the top of the big lump of butter he had just churned, hopped out of the pail and off toward his home in the swamp. That night the boy dreamed of frogs paddling on a bed of flowers floating on a pond of pennies. The wealthy man's other son lay awake that night too, but he never opened his copy of the storybook their father had given them. He was too busy thinking to sleep or read. He'd made his decision the moment his father had held out that sheaf of thousand-dollar bills. He was already making big plans for his next 31 days. When morning came, he sprang into action. After notifying his father of his choice, he opened his million-dollar line of credit at his father's bank. Next, he hired an executive director to help, me help him execute his ambitious plan, and the two rented out a hotel suite in the center of town where they conducted interviews for the next six days. By week's end, they had hired a staff of the sharpest financial advisors, market analysts, and investment experts available. The group spent the second week researching, brainstorming, and drafting strategies to help the wealthy man's son transform his million-dollar windfall into a genuine fortune. By the beginning of week three, they were locked and loaded and ready to rumble, and off they marched into the battlefields of commerce and speculation to turn the boy's million into billions. A few days later, the boy decided to pay a visit to his brother to see what he was doing with his million. But when he arrived, he found to his astonishment that his brother had turned down the million and taken the penny instead. I went to see father again the day after we all met, the first boy told his brother, and his butler gave me a peek into the purse. My lone penny had been joined by a, a companion. On the third day I went back, peeked in again and now saw four pennies. On the fourth day there were eight. The brother listened in disbelief as the boy continued describing his insignificant little pile of pennies. On day five, there had been sixteen pennies on day six, thirty-two, and by week's end the boy had amassed a whopping nest egg of sixty-four cents. By the end of the second week, the cash of pennies was just shy of ninety dollars, eighty-one point ninety-two to be precise. Not even enough to pay for a decent dinner for two at the hotel where his brother's ace financial team had their base of operations. 
Now, a few days into the third week, the purse had grown to $655.35, barely enough to sustain the boy on his own for a week. You poor sap, cried his brother. I can't believe you went for the penny. But it's not too late. Visit our father. See if he'll let you change your mind. Even if he gives you only half your million, it's certainly better than scrapping by on what you've got now. Or at least let me help. I can't stand the idea of you venturing out into the world with scarcely enough to feed yourself for a week. But the first boy wouldn't hear of it. That night, the old man died peacefully in his sleep. Toward the end of the month, the second boy's executive director brought him some worrisome news. The markets had gone a bit, a bit soft, and the team's earlier rosy projections would need to be revised downward. The boy thanked him and waited anxiously for the next report. On the morning of day 31, the day on which the boys were to visit the butler and finally receive their purses, the executive director came back with his final report. He shuffled his feet and cleared his throat for a minute, asked for a glass of water, and then began his report by saying that the news was mixed. Some investments had performed quite well, others had suffered. All in all, the boy had made a modest gain the team had succeeded in parlaying his one million into nearly one and a half million, an appreciation of 50%. That was the good news. And the bad news? The boy held his breath. Well, uh, continued the executive director, expenses, including the team's commissions, taxes, broker fees, interest on the credit line, the bill for the hotel suite. He cleared his throat again, took a sip of water and continued. And of course, uh, my salary for the month come to just over 1.75 million. The boy was 200,000, $250,000 dollars in the red. Not only was he not rich, he actually owed a fortune. He was ruined. In a panic, he rushed across town to see his brother, and this time he received an even larger shock than the first time he'd gone to visit. On day 28, the first boy's purse of pennies had passed the million-dollar mark, and on day 29, the two-and-a-half-million mark. Yesterday, on day 30, it had exceeded 5 million, and today, when the butler handed his purse over to his own care, it had topped out at 10,737,418 dollars and 24 cents. The boy who chose to wait for the penny had discovered the extraordinary power that some call the eighth wonder of the world, the remarkable creative force of compound interest, the very same force that blanketed the pod's surface with water hickin and turned the frog's cream into butter. 
The boy who chose the million was broke and deeply in debt. The boy who chose the penny was worth more than $10 million. I come from Greece and I believe that we all carry a piece of Greece inside us. Why? Because probably one of Greece's biggest contributions to the world is philosophy. Philosophy is a complex word made from philos, which means friend, and sophia, which means wisdom. Actually, philosophy stands for love for wisdom. Philosophizing means freedom of thinking and constant pursuit of, of truth. But if you look at philosophizing as an impractical theoretical approach to life, you got it all wrongly. Truth is like a diamond. It has as many facets as the angles from which light shines on it. Philosophizing has the purpose of seeking your truth, shedding light to the faces that are of essence to you, and that means it's your guidance system towards spotting the best little choices that make up your everyday course in life. Your philosophy filters your philosophy filters the options you are daily presented with and the keyword here is daily. Filtering your options and making choices is what pushes you up to success or down to misery. Your philosophy is your personal system of beliefs. It either makes you or breaks you. If your philosophy is in line with the instant gratification trend of our society, then you believe in lottery riches. You use microwaves to make your eggs faster than five minutes. You love instant photos, instant coffee, instant relationships through instant messaging and always look for push-button solutions to every imaginable issue. You have the million philosophy. You want millions and you want them now. To you, wealthy people were either born with a silver spoon in their mouth, got extremely lucky or hold supernatural powers in the forms of skills or talents. You believe in events instead of processes, but all laws of nature and life are about cycles and processes. If you have the penny philosophy, you know that it takes nine months of pregnancy for a baby to come to life. You know that between sowing and reaping stands cultivation period, and that sun will set before rising again in 24 hours. You know you have to wait for the cycles of events to be completed and the processes to lead to desirable results. You know that it's the penny multiplied consistently that leads to true wealth and that you can go from ground floor up to the twelfth story climbing one stair at a time, not flying like Superman. Real life's Superman and Superwoman reach the top step by step and they keep going till they get there. Success in life and in everything you do, forex trading included, 
lies in the process of small incremental steps you make consistently every day every day every day call them baby steps call them turtle steps they've got to be steady easy and small and they've got to be on a daily basis if you have the million philosophy you believe that all you need to succeed is capital because it will push you ahead of the lucky ones who inherited wealth and will allow you to compete with the intelligent ones by hiring experts to show you the way that's what the slot machines and the roulettes fans believe too feeding the slot machine with coins seems insignificant compared to the magnified expectations of a cash shower blind to the sacrifice of his hard-earned pennies the player gives for the lives for the excitement of a vague possibility instant money no effort no progress no process pure luck this is the trap of gambling and most of us are guilty of gambling in every aspect of our lives i told him i love him last summer do i have to keep saying it every day I paid the monthly subscription to the gym. Do I have to go there more than three times per month? I had a salad yesterday. Having a hamburger now won't make any big difference. Doing little things right every day means making small positive choices on a consistent basis. These small choices are as easy and as insignificant as a penny is or as a peep in the forex markets. One penny up, one penny down doesn't make any difference at all, but this is totally wrong. You know already that one penny can turn, it, can turn into 10 million after 31 doublings. 31 doublings may not correspond to 31 days. They may correspond to 31 years, but in all cases, when the factor called time kicks in, the results can be dramatic. As tiny little pennies are being wasted to the wrong direction over time, you end up old and broke. The tiny significant wrong choices you were making every day regarding your health, your self-improvement and your relationships brought you 30, 40 or even 50 years later into being a total wreck. On the other hand, if instead of gambling your hard-earned money, your family's blood money, without a trading plan, you start by respecting each of your pennies as if they were drops of your blood, which they are, and push yourself to enter into a daily routine of little disciplines going for a few pips in forex and a few pips in every aspect of your life, time factor will eventually kick in, rewarding you with meteoric success and the life of your dreams. All this just because you were, you were going for a few pips per day with your trades, a few sweet words and little actions per day with your relationships, a few right choices about your health per day, a few pages of a self-improvement book per day for your spiritual growth. And that's the true essence of miracles. You can't wait. You want results and you want them at the blow of your fingers. 
an invisible pistolero has put a gun to your head pushing you to be fast with your thoughts with your choices with your life so in most cases you first act and then think and usually you regret this pistolero is responsible for drawing your attention away from the idea of making five pips per day starting with a micro account this sounds so ridiculous you don't even want to think about it you and the 95% of traders who end up losing all their money in less than six months while Scrooge McDuck goes for those little five pips per day and every night he's enjoying one of his famous golden coins baths <laughs>